And I want to welcome all of you who are joining with us for the first time, maybe watching online, or maybe you came on Easter Sunday and you're like, man, that was so great. I want to come back. Well, you're actually kind of catching us in the middle of a series where we're talking about the soul. We're doing some soul work. We're kind of excavating some things out of our soul so that we can get to a place of health. Maybe you never thought about it yourself this way, but one of the things we recognize is that there are three unique things that make each of us up. Three unique parts that maybe God put into making us up. And that is your body, your soul, and your spirit. And they're all different and they're all unique, but they all are you. And, and here's the thing we've kind of been talking about is that in our culture, we tend to focus mostly on the physical. Like our culture is kind of obsessed with physical health how we look, how we present ourselves to those around us. That's kind of the focus of our culture. Sometimes it feels a little bit shallow, but that's, you know, that's part of you, right? Then in the church community, let's be honest, that in the church community, a lot of times we focus on the spiritual health. And I understand why. We want you to connect with God. We want you to experience God. And you do that ultimately by your spirit. And so we'll talk about that. What often gets neglected, this is what I feel, is anything that has to do with the soul. A lot of times, we, we never really hear about the importance of how to manage our soul. And I would argue that a lot of us are going through life and we might be physically healthy, or even spiritually, you might be good with God, but emotionally, you could be broken. That in the soul, you could be messed up. Now, here's the thing that I, I really believe is that um, when it comes to our health, the big question a lot of times is, how do I know if I'm unhealthy? How do I know if something is messed up inside of me? That's kind of what we're talking about. Why are we talking about emotional health? Because we really believe that you can never grow to a place of spiritual maturity until you actually become emotionally mature. And in the church, can I tell you what we want for you? We want you to grow up. We want you to grow up spiritually. We don't want you to circle the same mountains over and over in your life. We want you to get to a point where you're like, I, I am really soaring with God. But listen, that'll never happen until you address your emotional health. You say, well, how do I know if something's messed up? Well, just like every system in our world and most of our th products that we have, I believe that there are some indicators that can let us know when things aren't healthy. For example, um, if you have a car, I'm sure many of you, you have a car, you'll know that in your car, if you read your manual, that on the little dash or on the little kind of uh, screen right in front of you, there will be a bunch of warning indicator lights that let you know if there's a problem, right? There's little ones like low tire pressure, or there could be ones if you're, you know, your analog brakes aren't working or whatever. Um, there's also a really important one I found out in your car, and it's the check engine indicator. Now that one's really, really important, right? It lets you know that there could be something significantly wrong with your car. And about six, seven, eight months ago, I don't remember exactly, but I, I started to notice that sometimes while I was driving my car, if I went around a corner kind of fast, which I don't do very often, but you know, if I went around a corner kind of fast, or if I accelerated kind of fast, my check engine indicator light would start to flicker. It would, it would start to, it, would, it didn't stay on. It would like flash and like flicker, and then I would drive and it would go off. So I thought, oh, I don't need to worry about that. Well, it, it kept doing it. Finally, one day I thought, maybe, maybe something's not right. 
So I went and I checked the oil level of my car because I thought maybe when I go around the corner, the oil kind of shifts, and so that's what's setting it off. I went and checked the oil level in my car, and it was low on oil, like two quarts. Now, I didn't have any leaks under my car, so I'm like, I don't understand what's going on. So I put oil in it, kept driving it, right? Indicator light went away. About three months later, I'm driving. I go around a corner. The little light starts to flicker. I'm like, not again, right? So then I go and I check the oil, and guess what? It's low. So I put oil in it, and I kept driving it. Three months later, guess what happened? The exact same thing. Finally, I wised up. I got smart enough, and I took my car to the car doctor. Because that's what happens when you have a check indicator light that's going off. And the car doctor said that there is a leak in the back of my oil pan, but it was in such a place that it never dripped on the floor. And so I had no idea that I actually had a real problem. Now, that's with the car. How much more important is it to pay attention to indicators when it comes to your life? See, I want you to understand that your manufacturer created you with some warning indicators to let you know if there's problems. Like in your physical body, there's some warning indicators. Pain is one. When something hurts, when you have pain in your body, it's an indicator that there is a problem. You ought to check it out. And that's when we go see the doctor, right? I'll just admit something. Let me just say this. I am terrible about regularly seeing my doctor. And it's not because I don't like her. She's really nice. She goes to our church. She's great, right? It's not that. It's just I have been blessed for most of my entire life with really good health. I mean, I am so grateful for it. I'm one of the unique people. I've never had a surgery. And like, I've just, I'm so blessed with good health that I don't go see the doctor unless there's a problem, right? So this whole idea of a checkup, eh, doesn't exist in my world. Well, a few years back, I was seeing, you know, I'd see my doctor every Sunday. I didn't see her at her office. I would see her every Sunday. And she started to bug me all the time. Hey, when am I going to see you? Not on Sunday. When are you going to come in and see me? It's been a while. When are you going to come get a checkup? When are you going to check up? You're getting a little older. Maybe you ought to get a checkup. I was like, fine, okay. So I went in to see her. I'm the picture of perfect health, right? And I go in and see her, and, and she's, you know, she's just checking and pushing and listening to breath sounds and all that. She's like, okay, all that, that all looks good. She's asking me all questions. I'm like, yep, I'm good. Health's good. Exercise, all is good. She says, all right, okay. No, before you leave, I want you to go down to the lab, and uh, we're going to check some other indicator lights that are inside the body that you don't feel pain from. And so I went down to the lab, and they stuck me with a needle, and they drew some of my blood. Eh, thought I was all great. About a week or so later, I get a phone call, and it's the doctor's office. And they said, um, we got your blood results back, your lab results back, and we just wanted you to know that uh, we found that your cholesterol is elevated above normal range. You have high cholesterol. And I'm like, okay, is that bad? And they're like, well, it's not horrible right now, but you can change it if you would just adjust what you eat. And so they gave me this form. They sent it to me in the mail. They said, all the things that you're supposed to eat and the things you're not supposed to eat. Well, that lasted about a week and a half. That was it. I was like, I can't do this. I cannot do this. And I threw that away, and I just went about life. All right? Almost three years goes by. And, uh, and so I, I, I made a decision, though. You know, it was like 2020 was a hard year. And uh, I started to notice the, uh, what do they call it, the quarantine 19 or whatever. You know, things, weight started to sink. And I just decided I was going to be serious about my health going into this year. 
And so at the beginning of this year, I changed what I eat. I, I, um, I, I was working out, so I just kept that real consistent. But I got really, really diligent about what I was putting in my mouth, what I was eating. And so you better bet, like, when I, I did that and I started kind of seeing results. In fact, I'll just let you know, because I, I celebrate the beginning of the year to now, I've lost 25 pounds. And some of you, maybe didn't, like, I've had people go, you didn't have 25 pounds to lose. Yeah, I did. I had 25 pounds to lose. I lost weight. Guess what I did? I called her up and said, I'm coming to see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stick me now. That's what I did. I went and saw her, and I was like, send me to the lab. I want them to check. I need to know. They went and checked my cholesterol. Guess what? Dropped back down within normal results, so I'm not going to die. I'm not going to have a heart attack anytime soon, I hope. Never know. What, what I'm saying is that there's these indicators that God has created within our lives to let us know if there is unhealth. Now, here's what's different about your soul. When it comes to your soul, it's not about what you take in like it was with my body, but it's about what comes out that's the indicator. Can I show you? I'm not the one that said that. Jesus did. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 17 and 18, listen to what Jesus said. He said, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and out the body? And it adds a few points to your cholesterol. But that's, what, that's the physical. Verse 18, he said, but the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the what? Everybody say it out loud. Come from the, the heart. That's, that's part of your soul. And these defile them. What is Jesus trying to show us? He's trying to say that what comes out of your mouth, what comes out of you, is actually an expression of what is in you. Your words are an expression of your soul. Your attitude is an expression of your soul. Your spirit is an expression of your soul. Your thoughts are an expression of your soul. We like to say around here all the time that emotions are the language of the soul. Your emotions, your feelings. Let me, let me, let me put it to you like this. Emotions are the indicator lights of our soul. Let me say it again. Emotions are the indicator lights of your soul. How do I know if I have a problem in my soul? Look at your emotions. Look at your feelings. And oh, by the way, others will know because it will come out of you. Why are you angry all the time, sister? What's wrong with you? Why are you so bitter all the time? Why, why are you just snap at everybody? You just, I don't know why, but you just are discouraged all the time. Every time I'm around you, you're so negative. You're so pessimistic. Can I just tell you that's an indicator light? That there is a problem in your soul. Now, here's the thing I found very interesting about when it comes to problems in our soul. A lot of times in the church world, because we haven't really known how to separate and deal with the soul, what we tend to do is we tend to apply spiritual principles and truths, which is fine, to emotional challenges of the soul, and we don't sometimes really deal with the soul. In fact, I would say sometimes we like to, and I talked about this one week, slap Christian cliches on, on soul problems with, that, that sound good, and they are true, but sometimes never really take us to the place of dealing with what's going on. In fact, here's a phrase that I've heard over and over in the church world. I've heard people post this and say these things all the time. I understand it. It's this phrase, faith over feelings. Have you ever heard that phrase? You hear pastors sometimes say, faith over feelings. In other words, uh, you know, hey, I know you're feeling this way, but what you really need to do is just have faith. 
That, that's kind of what you're trying to say, you know? And, and sometimes it comes into shirts and sometimes you have the shirt, faith over fear. You know, and I get it, I get it, I understand it. And I'm not saying that's not true, okay? Listen, at the end of the day, I don't want my feelings to lead me, right? I, because here's what I know, that my feelings can lead me down a really dark path, okay? But what I think has become an unintended consequence to sometimes just throwing out their faith over feelings. You can't trust your feelings, so you just trust God, and you just have faith. And I know you're depressed, but you just have faith. And listen, I think one of the unintended consequences is in many ways we've downplayed our feelings to the point where we get this thought that we should just ignore them. Just have faith. Hey, listen, I'm all about faith. I really am. But I'm not really sure that that's what we should do. It's almost like we get this thought that faith is spiritual, but feelings are natural. You can't trust your feelings because they're lied to you. I understand. It's just natural. It's like your gut reaction, your instinct, your, you, you know, and we've downplayed them. Can I just tell you something that maybe would change your mind if you think that way? The truth is this, God made you to feel because he feels. Can I just tell you something about your feelings? Your feelings are spiritual. Your emotions are spiritual because God created you with them. He created life so that we experience it with emotions, not apart from emotions. When you, listen, have you ever felt loved? Well, love's not an emotion, it's a decision. I would argue it's both. Because if you've ever felt love, the moment you give your life to Christ, and all of a sudden you can feel, almost like, I feel like God loves me. That is something. Oh, by the way, when God's spirit comes to dwell in you, he actually brings emotions into your life. Like joy, that's an emotion. And he brings that into your life because God created you to feel. I would argue that peace. Is that an emotion? I don't know. Maybe it's the absence of anxiety, but I'll tell you what. I don't know what it is, but I feel something. When you feel settled, when you feel a calm inside, I don't know what it is, but I know that God created this. And so what I'm saying is that rather than kind of downplay and try to detach and say, oh, the feelings just have faith. No, I would argue and say your feelings are spiritual. And we need to recognize something. Feeling, feeling, it's a gift. Feeling's a gift. Like the, the moment you first laid eyes on your brand new baby and the way you felt on the inside, if you're a mom or a dad, you, you, I mean, I tell you, you, you've never felt anything like that before. You're like, I didn't think I could love any more than I do right in this moment. That's a gift. It is a gift from God, okay? I want you to understand, like, the, to feel, to feel joy and when life is good and feel excited and to have reason to go around with a smile on your face. And that, that is a gift from God. Can I tell you also about feeling? Feeling is, it's a gift, but it's, it's also a curse. Feeling's good when it's good. Feeling hurts when it's bad. But they go together. You see, you will never know what it means to be loved unless you have the potential of feeling unloved. You will never know the potential of real joy unless you know what it means to feel sorrow. We will not know. This is part of the human experience God created. You will never know what it means to be fully alive 
unless you feel the grief and the loss of losing life, losing someone. And so I, I want us today to, I want to talk about feelings. I want to talk about emotions. And rather than slap a Christian cliche on it, if we could, today will be a little practical. This is going to be one where you're going to want to take notes. I'm going to share some things. I want us to lean into it. And it might make you a little bit uncomfortable. But I'm telling you, if you want to get to a place of health in your life, you've got to go through this. You've got to go through the valley. And so today, if we could, let's look under the hood just a little bit. This is an area that a lot of us feel uncomfortable. I'm going to ask you to look under the hood when it comes to your soul. To plug in a diagnostic tool, the mechanic. Let God plug a diagnostic tool in on your soul today. Now, if you have a Bible with you, I, I want to take you to a portion of the Bible that actually addresses your soul when it comes to feeling and emotions. It's found in the Old Testament. In fact, there's a collection of songs that we call psalms. And I want you, if you've got your Bible or electronic device, to get it out and to go to Psalm 42. That's where we're going to be, Psalm 42. Here's the one thing I love about the Bible, is that the Bible is not just spiritual truths and practices. It's not just the words of Jesus. All those things are great. They're awesome. They're important. But I'm grateful that God also preserved for us songs of lament. Stories like Job's story where he went through incredible grief of the soul and loss. And Psalms. You know Psalms, it sounds great, but it's literally a collection of songs. These were actually songs. And most of them were written by a guy named David. David, who was a king over Israel. He was a gifted musician. He was a gifted songwriter. And he would write songs. And here's why people write songs. They write songs to express their soul. The songs that hit you the hardest, you know, we call love songs or any of these kind of songs. You know why they affect you? It's because they reach into your soul to your emotions. And so Psalm 42 is a song that was written, some actually say by David. In, in your Bible, it might say of, of the sons of Korah. It's because what you need to know is that um, David actually hired sons of Korah. Korah was actually a cousin to Moses. And he actually revolted against Moses, and God actually killed him and most of his family, but some of his descendants were, were spared. And by the time you get to David, David would hire the, the, his descendants to come and be part of the temple worship and to help. And so some of the songs were written by David. Some of the songs may have been written by others. Some believe that David was behind this one because it matches so many of his other tunes that he wrote. And so today we're going to look at a song. That's what I want you to think song. This is a song. And we're just gonna, we're gonna look at the first verse and a chorus. That's it. Now I know in church, that's not how you normally do things, especially with hymns. Because if you ever sing hymns in church, you know you always look at the first verse, the second verse, and the fourth verse, but you never, ever sing the third verse. I don't know why, but you just don't, okay? So this is a song. We're gonna look at the first verse and chorus found in verses one through five. Here's what the psalmist sang. I like to think it that way. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. 
how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. I want to give you three thoughts today on how to manage your feelings. Super practical, incredibly powerful. Three thoughts on how to manage your feelings. In the words of the great theologian Drake, we're going to get in my feelings today. Okay? How do I get in my feelings? The first thought we see from this passage is this. First, you have to find your feelings. Find your feelings. Everybody turn to the person next to you and tell them you better find it. Tell them you better find it. I love how the the song, when you get to the chorus, if you notice what the psalmist said, the writer, he said, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? What is he doing? He's taking a deep dive into his soul and he's saying, why do I feel like this? Why am I in so much pain? He's asking really important why questions. Why do I feel this way? Why do I feel frustrated? Why do I feel angry? Why do I feel upset? Why do I feel depressed? Why, oh soul, are you so messed up inside of you? The first thing that we need to learn, if we're going to get in my feelings, right, is that you have to find your feelings. Now, can I just admit something? I want to just own this. Uh, I have found out that I am not very good at this. I'm just not. I think some of you might be really good at it. This is where I I really began to understand that there's some emotional immaturity in my life because I realized I'm not really in touch with my feelings very much. Like I kind of go through life and I've got this kind of approach where I just, I'm very analytical and I just kind of think about life and I don't want to feel life. And so I I found out I'm not very good at it. I I had to kind of work with somebody to really begin to embrace this. Now, here's my guess is that I'm not the only one. In fact, without trying to stereotype or overgeneralize, but what we've actually come to know is that guys, as, as like guys collectively, we're a lot not good at this. Like we're, I'm, I know some guys, some of you are really in touch with your feelings, and some of you are that, that's awesome. But generally speaking, and, and I'm not trying to put that label on you, I'm just saying, more often than not, what I've found is that men, we are not that in touch with our feelings. We don't want to find our feelings. In fact, I wonder if it's because of the messaging that we've always heard from culture, which is like to be really manly is to be strong and is to not cry, right? And so it's like, you know, you're watching a movie with your wife and it's getting you a little bit and you'll just, oh man, I got something in my eye. <laughs> oh, it's dusty in here, you know. Because we don't want to show emotion because we think that is a sign of weakness. Can I just tell you something, guys, and please listen to me? I have found that it has nothing to do with strength and weakness. It has everything to do with awareness. And you will never get to a place of emotional maturity if you do not first become aware of what you are actually feeling on the inside. And I think some of us have learned to detach ourselves Sometimes as a safety mechanism from our feelings. There's actually a term, a phrase used in psychology today. It's called alexithemia. It's kind of a disorder that they say actually about one in ten people actually have this 
where there is a literal detachment from their soul, from their emotions. It comes from this phrase, a Greek phrase that means no words for my soul or no words for my emotions. Like, I, I don't know what I'm feeling. And some of us are not really good. Let's, if you're a guy or a girl, just own it. We're not really good at it. And one of the things that I kind of found is that I, I can just let things roll off me. I think it's my superpower, my spiritual gift. I, have, I could have a friend walk out of my life and I'm like, sucks for you. You're lost. But, but what I've found is that I think that's actually more of a defense mechanism so I don't actually have to feel the pain. And sometimes we pride ourselves on, on being it's so strong that nothing phases me. I don't feel anything. I was talking to my counselor, and she said something about this idea of numbness. And a lot of times I think we think that's our superpower, and nothing phases me. And, um, and, and she was telling me, she said, numbness is actually, it's not not feeling, but numbness is actually the highest degree of feeling you can experience. I was like, really? I said, yeah, it's actually like an overstimulation of your, of your emotions and your senses to the point where you don't know what to do and it's just, you're numb, just numb. I was thinking, like, I wonder if that's why sometimes when people go through something really traumatic, sometimes an accident, and then they're in shock. And it's like, why, why aren't you, you just, this just happened. Why aren't you crying? Why aren't you this? It's there. They're, they're so, there's such an emotional overwhelming in their life that it's numbness. And though sometimes that feels like that can be good when you go through something really pain, I'm not going to feel it. The reality is you don't recognize the danger of it. By the way, when you are numb, and sometimes it happens by choice, sometimes it happens because something happened to you. I just want to say this. I had my counselor explain this to me. She said, um, it's kind of like if you were maybe younger and you were at a big family dinner function, and then your dad got really angry and stormed out, slammed the door, left in the middle of it, drove off, went to the bar, got drunk, and it made the whole scene. It was a mess in the house. People were crying. And all of a sudden, that moment, you hated how it felt. So you said to yourself, I will never do that. And so all of a sudden, you kind of trained yourself. I'm never going to, I'm not going to deal with emotions. Sometimes it happens because of what happened to you. Trauma. Somebody hurt you. Somebody did something. And all of a sudden, it's a self-safety me- mechanism. It's a defense thing. And to go numb. But, but here, here's the danger if we do not find our feelings. Is that it will eventually come out. And if you do not understand and figure out what those feelings are. Ask the why am I feeling this. Let me tell you what can happen. Is you'll end up expressing it in the wrong way. That's why so often this is what happens is you can be frustrated at work, but you don't really know why or you can't get through it. And so you end up going home and taking it out on your spouse. Or you can go through something and be really depressed, but not know, and you can't get out of bed, but you don't really know how to face it, how to deal with it. What I would argue is the first thing that we need to do is we need to find our feelings. I need to identify my feelings. How do we do that? I would say that one of the things that we need is a vocabulary for our soul. 
you need some way to be able to articulate how you're feeling. If you ever go meet with a counselor, one of the things they're going to say is, how do you feel? You know what my first reaction was? Well, I think that this happened and then this, no, 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 no. Stop thinking. I want to know how you feel. And it was really hard for me because I don't really process feelings. In fact, I had put up a slide. Um, one of the things you can go find is there are, sometimes they say hundreds of different emotions, different categories, anger, joy, all these things. That maybe what you need to do is you need to get a vocabulary so that when I feel frustrated, it's not necessarily, I'm not going to just go and do this, but I'm going to go, I'm frustrated and why am I frustrated? I need a vocabulary. I need to be able to articulate what is going on in my soul. And you've got to ask that question. Why? Why are you so disturbed in, with you, in me? That is the first step, okay? You've got to find your feelings. The second step is this, face your feelings. Everybody say face it. You got to face your feelings. It's not enough just to identify your feelings. You also need to process. You need to work through. You need to come to grips with it. If you never grieve loss, if you never process abandonment, if you never deal with depression, you might identify all day long, but that's just the first step. Now you're going to have to face it. You need to walk through it. In fact, as I was reading through this song, the Psalm 42, I felt like God showed me that there are two ways to face our feelings in this. I want to show you both of these. They're both important. The first part of how you face your feelings is this. Express your emotions. Can I just tell you something? It's okay to express your emotions. Can I say to guys who are terrible at this, it's okay to express your emotions. Uh, in fact, I, I love what verse 3 said. It said, my tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? I have no appetite. All I can do is cry. Most guys right now here and I are like, oh, you wuss. <laughs> what, what I'm saying is that it is important. God made you to feel and not just to hold it all up, but it's part of who we are. It's to express your emotions. You know what I love is that Jesus was an incredible example of this. Do you know that Jesus felt all the emotions like we do? And Jesus actually expressed them. Jesus got angry at times. One time he got so angry, he went over and started flipping tables over in the temple because they were distorting what the house of God was supposed to be. Now, that is not licensed to go to work on Monday, get really mad, go in the break room and start flipping tables. Hey, Jesus did it. Don't do that. Jesus felt frustration with his disciples at times. He would say, guys, you still not have faith. After all, you've seen me do. Jesus expressed emotions. We need to understand, it is okay to express emotions, okay? That might mean, I, I don't know what it's going to look like for you, okay? It, it could be that maybe you need to cry to grieve. You lost somebody a long time and you were just really stoic because i got to be brave for the family. Hey, that's great at some points for your kids. Man, there's a time where you need to go cry. You just need to, that's my, my wife will tell me sometimes, like I, I learned this about her, that when she's just either overwhelmed, frustrated, she go into her room and she cry. And I go, honey, what's that? I want to go fix it all. She's like, I just need to cry. I'm like, oh, all right, I don't know about this. I'm just going to step out of the room. I don't know what you're doing right now. Sometimes you just need to express it, right? You might need to shout to express your frustration. You, you might get so angry you need to punch something. Now, don't punch a wall. Can I suggest punch a pillow? 
Someone ain't gonna hurt you back. You know what I mean? Don't punch another person. This is why we don't know how to express it properly. We need to express our emotions. Now, let me just say this, okay? There is some balance we need to this. Not all expressions of our emotions is helpful or honorable. And I wanna make sure you understand this. It's important to have a healthy expression of your emotions. Otherwise, you'll be like what Proverbs 29, 11 says, a fool expresses all his emotions, but a wise person controls them. In other words, it is good to express your emotions, but it's not good to blow up. It's not good to lose control. The Bible says in your anger, that's an emotion, do not sin. You can be angry, but when you react in a way that is hurtful towards somebody else or yourself, it can become sin. And so I do really believe that's the first part, okay, of how do I face my feelings? I'm gonna express my emotions. The second part, listen, is process your emotions. You need to express them, but you also need to process. There's a difference, by the way. There's a difference between feeling, expressing, and processing. To feel something lets you know you're alive. To express your emotions is an indicator that you're a human. To process your emotions would indicate you're a mature human. There's a difference. I love that the psalmist actually processed it. Didn't just cry about it, but processed. Look at verse 4. said this, these things I do what? Everybody say that word out loud. These things I These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the rest of throng. These are the things I I remember there was a time when it was good. But I also remember a time when it was hard. What is he doing? He's processing his emotions. He's walking through his different emotions. There was a time when life was good. Some of you can identify with that feeling today. There was a time when I was excited to go to church. There was a time when I just felt like God was with me. There was a time when everything was good. And then there's now. Or there was a time when I got hurt. You know what I discovered when I sat with a counselor? I discovered that counselors, they, they always want you to go back and remember what happened. When I was going through a bout with my soul, for about a year and a half, I met with a counselor twice every month. And one of the first things the counselor did was the counselor would say, let's talk about your childhood. It's like, but no, 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 I'm dealing with it. I know, let's talk about your childhood. Then, then he would say, okay, you know the way you feel right now? When did you first feel that? And here's what I know, is that most of us, don't want to relive pain. Most of us that have maybe even not processed when someone abandoned us, never processed when you lost a mom or a dad at a young age or you lost a baby. Most of us, what we do is that we just, I need to move on. You know, we say things like time heals all wounds. That couldn't be the biggest lie. Time does not heal all wounds. What happens over time if you don't process your emotions is that you'll just learn to get numb. And so one of the things that maybe God's going to speak to you today about 
is actually going back to the place where you got hurt and having to process it. Why did they say that? Why did, you, you know, like when your spouse said something that you've never forgotten that kind of just really kind of dug deep, but maybe it wasn't just when your spouse said that, but maybe it was when your dad said something when you were 12 years old and it's carried with you and it was just a wound that got, it's deep stuff and we don't want to go there. You know why? Because this is hard stuff. Sometimes we don't want to go back to places like that because we feel like if I go back to that, I'm going to be stuck in a place of pain. I have just gotten past this. Pastor, don't ask me to go back into it. I understand, I understand. But if, if, if I could just tell you as somebody who really went through a, a real struggle with my soul for a while, I would not be standing here full of health today if I did not do the hard work of processing my emotions. I could have pretended like, okay, I lost friends and a lot of things changed and I was hurt by things that people, I could have just, I can man up and move on. But what would happen is you would end up having a wounded pastor that would show up every once in a while while I'm preaching. And so I had to go back and I had to process, and it is hard, trust me, it's hard. And I just want you, I, I want you to hear this. There is joy on the other side though. There is healing on the other side if you'll go there. I just, I promise you. You, you go through it, it's hard. But, and if you don't, here's what's gonna happen. I kind of, I was picturing this, like, I want you to picture your life as like a two liter of Coca-Cola. Um, and, and it's like, when something traumatic happens, it's like it gets dropped and it's like it's a shake. Eventually, the cap's gonna come off. And when it does, it's gonna blow up everywhere. If you do not. And so here's what we're gonna, I'm gonna find my feelings. I gotta learn how to articulate. I gotta get a vocabulary. Then I'm gonna face my feelings. I'm gonna learn, I gotta be able to express. I'm gonna have to cry. I'm gonna have to sit in my pain. I think about Job. We got in the the Bible, chapter after chapter after chapter of him just sitting in this pain. Right? And then I'm gonna process my emotions. And let me encourage you with this and we'll move on to the last point. I encourage you, don't do it alone. Some of your journey, you might have to deal with a little bit alone, but don't do it alone. Can I just, I, I want to say this. I want to vouch for it. If you don't have a counselor, you ought to get a counselor. Life-changing. Get a counselor. If you don't have community, can I just invite you? If you don't have somebody in your life that you trust to be able to open up to and share, if you don't have somebody in your life that has the time to do that, can I, you have community here. We have pastors that would, we'll meet with you. We'll do something because I care about you, okay? And, and, and I, wanna, I want you to know how much we believe in getting to a place of emotional health. I mentioned something um, week one of the series that I felt like God had given me his vision for our church as we move forward about the four F's, if you remember those. And one of those F's was something called freedom, where, where you can get to a place of emotional and spiritual freedom, but it's a process. And I'm excited to announce and share that uh, coming season two, which kicks off in May, we are putting a heavy emphasis on freedom circles, okay? Let me, let me explain that. Uh, it's, a, it's a curriculum that we have, and there are books that you can pick up at the shop to go along with this. It's a curriculum that we have that um, we didn't come up with it, but we used it, that will help you deal with emotional pain, emotional baggage, with some spiritual truth so that you can get to a place of freedom. Now, some people hear that and they're like, oh, it's addiction recovery if you're an alcoholic. No, that's not what it is, okay? There are programs for that and it could help you some with that, but this is for 
all of us. If you have ever been breathing, can I just tell you, you should go through this. And I would love for our entire church to go through this at some point. In fact, we believe so much in it. We're having all of our small groups, we call them circles here at this church, they're all doing freedom curriculum this next season. Okay, and so here's what I wanna say. We're also gonna launch new ones. We've trained leaders on it. Our entire staff has gone through this. We made our entire staff go through this. And you know what? The response we got back from our staff was that it was life-changing, isn't it, Jesse? Jesse's gone through it and said, and he'll tell you it changed his life. And so I cannot stress enough, you ought to sign up for freedom. Okay, you can stop at Next Steps. You can text us. You can go on your website. But this is something, it's a tool to help you to face your feelings. I'm gonna find my feelings, then I'm gonna face my feelings, and then here's the third one. Focus your feelings. Focus your feelings. I've heard it said that um, life isn't so much about what happens to you, but how you respond to what happens to you. And feelings are important. But can I just say this? Your feelings should not be your driver. In other words, you need feelings with you in the car, but they should not be, that should not be the taxi cab driver, you, okay? Well, you should not be driven by your feelings, but here's the thing I'm trying to say today, but you also should not ignore your feelings. And I, I think sometimes when we go through something of the soul, it screams so loud. Sometimes your pain is so loud that you can't see or hear anything else. In fact, I wanna show you just an illustration if I can. Uh, can I, a camera operator, will you help me for just a moment? I wanna show you an illustration. I want you to pretend that for a moment that, uh, let's just pretend that this book here is your soul, it's your emotional pain. Uh, this is your anger. This I'm holding right now in my hands, it's just an illustration. This is, this is your uh, disappointment. Uh, this is your bitterness. This is your abandonment. This is your grief. This, this is your emotional pain. So a lot of times um, what we do, and I, I wanna show you with this camera, um, I want to ask, camera one, I want you to zoom in completely all the way in on this book. Go ahead and zoom in all the way. Could you guys give me that one? Okay, so if you look at the screen, if you're watching this online, a lot of times what we do is when something is really painful, it becomes really big in the frame. And all you can see is this. I can't see all that I need to see. All I can see is this. You ever felt that way? It's like, I can't think straight. I go to work, but I'm still depressed. And I come home and I can't connect with my spouse or my kids because I can't, I'm struggling because of the pain because it's so big in the frame. This is all you can see. But I wonder if maybe God wants to teach us today how to focus the lens a little bit because something changes when you get a new perspective because here's what I want to show you, camera one. This is what I want us to do. What would it look like if you zoomed all the way out from this moment? Go ahead and zoom all the way out. You know what's interesting? I'm looking at the screen. All of a sudden, that thing that was such a huge problem and I couldn't see anything else kind of looks a little small. Do you see what I'm trying to show you? I'm trying to say that when you only focus on your emotions, we're not ignoring them, but when that's all you see, sometimes we get lost and we get up close and we don't get the right perspective. Now, I love what the psalmist said, Psalm 42, verse 5. Look at, look at what the psalmist said. This was the chorus, and I had to get to the second part of the chorus. The, the psalmist said, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Now the music really begins to pick up this part of the chorus. I just know it. It says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Put your hope in God. I love what he does in this moment, right? Because listen, he's still, he's in his tears. He's crying out.
out to God. If you read the whole chapter, people are attacking him. People have come at him. He's just struggling. He's hurting. But then all of a sudden, he speaks to his soul. All of a sudden, he preaches to his soul. He says, I need to remind you, soul, what you are made for. And you weren't just made for depression. And you weren't just made for disappointment. And you weren't just made for anger. And you weren't just made for fear. No, no, no. I need to remind you, soul, that your soul was ultimately created to worship God, that your soul was created so that you could see God in his glory. And rather than focus on just what my problem and my pain is, what would it look like if you adjust the lens of your soul to focus on who God is? That's what he does, right? All of a sudden he tells his soul, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't just, don't just obsess over this. Let's focus on who God is, my God, my Savior. He's my Redeemer. He's my Deliverer. He's my Healer. He's my Provider. He's my Father. This is who He is. I can trust in Him. And all of a sudden, His perspective changes. All of a sudden, He zooms out of His life, and He says, you know what? My, my, my soul and my pain, it used to be the biggest thing in my life, but I am telling my soul today, it is not bigger than you, God. You are bigger than my pain. You are bigger than than my, and I am going to focus on truth in my pain. What does it mean to focus on truth in your pain? It doesn't mean we ignore it. Mm-mm. But what does it mean to focus on truth? It might mean that, that you would say, I'm discouraged, I'm depressed, I'm struggling, but you know what God's word says? That he is the lifter of my head. And so I'm gonna trust in him. I know I might be hurt and I might be angry because somebody betrayed me and I want to get back at them. But then I remember that God says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You just trust me. I'm the good just. I'm the good judge. I'll take care of it. I, I don't know what it is. It might be sorrow. It might be grief. You might be crying. Nothing but tears. I understand that. But I remember God's word that says, though sorrow may last for the night, joy comes in the morning. And so I know that there is tomorrow. And I know that God is going to bring me through this situation. Come on, stand up on your feet. I'm going to close now, but I just, I want to minister in this moment because I really believe that there are a lot of us today that we're facing some real pain in our soul. And maybe God wants to get us to adjust the focus. I want to pull zoom. I need to zoom out. I need to see God because I've lost sight of God in this. Would you bow your heads and just close your eyes for a moment? I wanna wanna pray for you. I wanna pray over you. Father, I just pray right now by your spirit, God, you would meet every person in the middle of their pain. Lord, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we can fear no evil because you're with us, God. God, I just want to receive that you're with us right now. Listen, as we're praying, I want you to know that Jesus said, when I leave, I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to come to be with you. He said, I won't leave you or forsake you. And you, today, I just believe maybe that many of you, that this message has really spoken to your soul, that there's there's some pain. There's some things that you need to process. There's some hurt, grief, disappointment, abandonment, doubts flooding your mind. I understand that. Today, I just believe that by his spirit, God wants to minister to you. 
Because here's what I know. When the Spirit of God comes, He brings love, and He brings joy, and He brings peace, and He can bring patience into your life, and kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control. And so I want to pray right now for those who maybe today this is a message for you. And I believe there are many. If your soul is in a place where you're saying, I need you to pray for me today, Pastor, would you pray over my my emotions, my soul. If that's you today, would you just lift your hand right now and hold it up, hold it up, hold it up. Hands going everywhere. Hands going everywhere. Come on, don't be afraid. Guys, I want to tell you, stop stop trying to hide from your emotions for a moment. If you want to get healthy in your life, it's time to own it. It's time to say, God, I need you. God, I've been struggling. God, I'm reaching up to heaven today. God, I'm saying I need you. Father, I pray for every hand raised. I pray for every person at home that, God, their hand is raised. Every person that's saying, God, I need a touch from heaven. Every person that is saying, God, I need your spirit. I need your peace. God, where I am anxious, I ask for your peace. God, I pray where there is hurting, painful emotions. I pray, God, right now you would minister. I pray the comforter would come and put your arms around that person. I pray for those, God, that this week that they're going to go through a process of finding their feelings and facing their feelings and then they're going to learn to focus God I pray right now in this moment God in the middle of our pain God with tears in our eyes we are going to speak to our soul and we're going to say to our soul put your hope in God we're going to say to our soul it's time to worship God thanks so much for tuning in to this message I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We want to connect with you, and we want to be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church, or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I want to say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.